Welcome to the Craft of Shadows podcast, based on the novel The Jewel of Nineveh by Dewish Basiti. Discover new content and subscribe to receive updates at craftofshadows.com. Now, on with the show. Prologue Falling from this height, thought the thief, will most certainly kill me outright. I wonder, will it be a brief instant of agony, and then death, or some long, drawn-out torment? He recalled bodies he'd seen twitching after losing their head to a sword. Do they feel pain, or are they like a plucked flower, an already decaying imitation of life? Alone in the dark, frozen by fear, 300 feet above the next highest spire, of the city's lofty towers, hanging grimly onto the cracks in the sheet rock face that were mere ripples in the texture of the stone. He'd lost his nerve. His wandering mind recalled his arrival in the city a few nights earlier. Just a youth from more primitive lands, seeking wealth and adventure, and following a thousand legends and wide-eyed travellers' tales. Visible across the desert for miles, the towers and minarets of the greatest city in the land were spun around a thrusting, narrow peak, almost perfectly smooth and tapering and seeming to scratch at the clouds. God's finger, they called it, and other appendages as well, when they were too much had been drunk and humorous blasphemies were ex- exchanged. Atop the towering spire of rock, There stood the fortified palace of the Sultan. The wealth he had come in search of had proven extremely hard to come by. Even simple thievery was met by rapid sanction and a thorough beating from representatives of the ever-vigilant Thieves' Guild. As a stranger, they awarded him the luxury of a single warning. He took the thrashing gladly, their generosity rare in such matters. With no friends, an empty belly, and a coin purse which had not been full on his arrival, and now had the lightness of a sock, he'd sulked in the shadows. He'd sipped his weak beer slowly to stretch out his time inside the tavern, rather than sleep in the cold street. The tales did amuse, however. The people of the city spun glorious yarns of adventure and debauchery, each trying to exceed the other in the glamorous or the decadent. One tale in particular had caught his attention, drawled from the lips of a brown, creased man between puffs on his smoke-swirled pipe. The fabulous palace, itself a symbol of the Sultan's wealth and power, also contained his private storehouse. Within the most secure vault, there was a treasure, known as the Jewel of Nineveh. Worth more, said the Sultan, than the entire city and all its surrounding lands together. Contemplating the acquisition of the Sultan's hoard, the thief had faced a singular problem. The only entrance to the citadel was through a spiralling stairwell, scarcely two men wide, that had been carved from the foot of the spire to its very summit. It was said the palace could never be taken, 
even by an army of millions. It would be impossible to fight up such a narrow staircase that could be defended by the Sultan's elite guards, armed with little more than a good supply of boulders. This treasure seemed to the thief a most intriguing concept, a task which accomplished suitably discreetly would avoid the attentions of the thieves' guild and resolve the emptiness of both his coin purse and his growling belly. His natural land of birth was high in the mountainous regions to the north, and unlike these flatland desert dwellers, climbing had been a sport to him since childhood. He and his friends would dare each other to tame one improbable, impassable crag after another surviving solely by skill and strength. It was true he had lost more than one young companion to a grim death, smashed and twisted on sharp rocks far below. But they were the weakest, and the least skill, and least resolve. It was that very resolve he found now being tested to its limit. Climbing is an expression of confidence, and the utter faith that your fingertips will hold that your toes will not slip. Lose that confidence and you lose your grip and perish. For the longest moment of eternity, the thief hung motionless from the rock, his stare fixed on the next grip. Surely it is too slight. A dusky moth fluttered past his face. He smiled. The moment had passed. He swung his arm easily and grasped the fingertip-wide fissure, and climbed up, foot after hand, after foot after hand. His grip finally gained the capital stone of a finely wrought wall, pierced through with geometric shapes. The scent of jasmine caught by a cool evening breeze, and somewhere close by a nightingale sang, clattering chorus and melodious verse. Drawing himself up slowly, he peeked over the edge with barely the top of his head visible. A large courtyard garden, almost a small park, lay before him. Elegantly trimmed trees and bushes, neat jardiniers, laden with flowers. A small stream ran to a languid pool with a fountain whose cascade fell on pebbles, and the thief allowed the lapping of the water to calm his mind. Further in were armed men, pikes at their shoulders, circulating on prescribed paths, their open blades glinting in the light from the crescent moon. None passed near him, so he lightly slipped over the wall and sank into a darker patch of shadow. A small guardhouse was built here as part of the wall, room enough for a single sentinel left on watch during colder nights that they might shelter themselves from conditions inclement, whilst gazing out at the city far below. The thief untied the curious long package he had borne on his back during the perilous ascent. It was cylindrical and wrapped in soot-blackened paper, nearly his height and length, yet only a fat hand-grip in depth. He lifted it easily with one hand and slid it to lie unnoticed on the guardhouse roof. The guards were moving again, closer now. The thief bowed low and scurried along the side of a low hedge, cunningly woven with honeysuckle, 
its enticing sweet scent drawing modest complaint from his hollow stomach. He crawled closer to the palace, the detail in the fabulously fired tiles becoming visible, though their hues were grey in the moonlight instead of brilliantly vivid. The guards were whispering to each other, a shared joke, an impunation of one of their fellows. The whispering was good. The thief could place them without looking and save his eyes for the pressing matter of determining his route forward. The lawn was terminated by a paved veranda leading up to the wall. A door was ajar, but the lamp that burned above it too bright for a stealthy entrance. The thief drew his tool roll from within his shirt and removed a narrow tube. He tore a leaf from the bush and chewed it for a moment, then raised the tube to his mouth and blew the masticated wad to strike out the very flame of the lamp. Nothing to see here. Lamps blow out all the time. He sneaked forward, keeping his profile low, fingertips tracing the terracotta tiles beneath his feet. He froze. He heard footsteps coming down the corridor, his heart hammering loudly enough to betray him. The whispering guards had fallen quiet and were no doubt following their orbits as before, yet he had no clue where they were. A single guard taken from behind by surprise could well be handled silently and efficiently, but not two, not without raising an alarm. Draw the blade deep across the windpipe. Remember to lift the jaw firmly with your left hand, lest they whimper. A new guard marched out of the corridor and nearly collided with his fellow coming the other way. A startled laugh, an apology, a never mind, and then they were on their respective ways. The thief spread-eagled across the ceiling above where they had just stood, arms and legs jammed hard against the roof joists. Listened to the departing footsteps then dropped to the ground with all the noise of a falling leaf and crept inside the palace. Inside proved to be a transitory experience and he was immediately faced with another doorway. The wall he had first taken to be that of the palace was but one of a network of corridors constructed around a series of elaborate pleasure gardens. Within each lay the room proper a central installation of modest size but great delicacy. It was beautiful, to be sure, this inversion of traditional construction. However, it was a confusing layout and without an obvious place to start the search for valuables. The new garden he stepped into was not open to the sky as had been the last, but had crossbars and mesh for a ceiling, allowing for passage of light and air that lent it an enclosed and eerie feeling. Grey doves were sleeping in its purpose-built coops, raised on poles, their drowsy cooing and mumbling, an echo of the flowing water of the room before. The central structure, a skeletal tea house with lacquered ribs that rose to support a sloping shade roof. It was strung about with wire bird cages of many shapes and sizes, far beyond another wall marked the boundary of the Avery. He skirted the border of the cultivated cloister, preferring the shadows of the walls. The decoration grew more elaborate, the displays of flowers 
more exuberant. The sense produced by the blooms was intoxicating, reminding him strongly of the fancy bordello he had strolled past on his second day in the city. Ladies of uncommon beauty, clad in transparent and revealing robes of chiffon, so fine it was diaphanous, painted and creamed and far above the reach of his meagre monies. Keep your mind on current matters. The ladies will still be there when you return tonight. Guards. Two of them. They were just idling and gossiping. Then the thief's attention was caught. He tilted his head, straining to catch every word spoken in the thick patois these city folk use. The soldiers were pleased their shift guarding the jewel was complete. And of the wine and song awaited, then they passed away into the night. The treasury must be near. Just across the meadow, the thief spied a solid door, bound across with iron clasps, riveted and plated too. The first locked door he had seen yet. The first serious attempt at security, aside from the guards. Progress then, of a sort. He checked for any observers, and finding himself alone, he kneeled before the door, putting his eye to the lock to judge its class. The tool row came out again, and from it this time, a bent piece of wire. The wire mated with the lock, and was adroitly gyrated. A click was heard as the work was consummated, and the spent wire withdrawn. The door opened easily enough. As he stepped through, something caught on his ankle, and he froze, motionless and breathless. A wire, fine and almost invisible, was strung across the doorway, inches from the bottom, and was stretched taut against his leaning shin. A trap or an alarm? Either could mean his death. The toolkit was still in his left hand. Moving sparsely, he sought within and withdrew a cylinder of hard wax. Holding it in his teeth, he broke off half the stick and kneaded it to appliancy with his free hand. Bending carefully from the waist so as not to move the wire, he gracefully swept his fingertip along the wire as a dancer would bow to the audience. He caught the end of the wire, protruding from a brass trap box fixed to the frame of the door. Carefully, oh so carefully, he wadded the wax into the wire hole until it took the tension of the line and he withdrew his foot. The thief stepped past the trap and shut the door behind him. This new quadrangle was elaborate beyond all the beauty he had seen before. Ghostly peacocks lay sleeping feathered shrouds on a short crop lawn of scented herbs, whispered notes from wind chimes. The walls were decorated with finely wound climbing roses, their intertwining stems and branches woven to spell out words of poetry. The thief took in the heavy-scented mix, but the poetry was beyond him as he had never taken much time with his letters. His attention was fixed on the central building the finest he had yet seen, a mosaic celebration in turquoise and gold, yet with wooden-bound and iron-bound windows. There was a single heavy door with two lump-faced guards framing it, pikes resting on broad shoulders. 
In front of them, another marched the span of the structure. The guards measured out 30 steady paces, then turned and repeated. The thief flowed like liquid darkness around the courtyard. No footfalls were heard. Each footstep he trailed his toes in the grass, so that the unaware would think it was only the faintest murmur of the wind. He circled around the decorated pavilion, but found no other portal offering more ready access. Over or under, never go straight, the thieves' stratagem. He placed a foot on the sill of the shuttered and barred window, then scaled the wall in a step and a bound, and landed whisper soft on the flat-tiled roof. The roof was bare of decoration, functionally purposeful and not meant for the sight of pampered guests. The shadows of the geometric cornices of the walls were drawn across the flat surface. The builders had set up shutter boxes to let the air flow in the summer and to stay it in the winter. Iron bars within a stout frame had been fixed to the top of the boxes, but the boxes were still only wood jointed into the roof beams. The thief squatted and took out his heavy boot knife and began to work the joint where the box met the roof. The knife was a good blue steel he'd brought down from the mountains. The wood was soft and the box came away readily after a few moments of diligent persuasion. He lifted it free and set it down beside him. Glimmering light shone through the hole. The thief uncoiled a thin, light rope he had worn wrapped diagonally across his torso. He tied it to the pierced stone edging to the roof, took hold of the other end and slipped headfirst into the opening, turning his ankle to grip the rope. His climbing boots had very thin soles and he gripped the line with his toes on the descent. Inside the pavilion was filled with the bouquet from rose oil candles that were arrayed on golden platters. Lavishly patterned paper prints decorated the walls. Translucent silks were draped over an ornamented frame that hung above a sumptuous bed, an alluring tent in the flickering light. He frowned in puzzlement, twitchy annoyance miring his thoughts, and wondered if all the efforts of this evening were to go unrewarded. He heard a soft sigh and mumbled half words that trailed off. Her tone was sweet and beguiling, even in sleep. He slipped silently down the rope and dropped to his hands and feet in a feline crouch, creeping carefully, so he approached the bed. Through the gauzy canopy, he saw the outline of a slender, naked leg. He cautiously slipped his head under the fluttering drapes to peek up over the end of the mattress. The flush that burned his face took him by surprise, and for a second he could not breathe. Such beauty, such innocence on her sleeping face, so full her lips and smooth her skin. The thief understood now that she was a sultan's treasure. She was a jewel of Nineveh. Under protection ceaselessly, until she would come of age, be married to him, and join his harem as their new queen. The thief admired her sinuous curves 
and scratched his chin ruefully. That time was almost at hand now. The sultan must have extraordinary restraint. A grin grew and crawled its way across his face, cheeks creasing in roguish merriment. He had conquered many challenges in his quest for the jewel, so have a prize he must. Guiding the silks with one hand so they slipped without sound, he moved around the bed till he stood at its head and then lowered his to hers. Eyes closed in mirror of a seductive slumberer, he breathed in her soft floral breath and then kissed her as gently as a lover. Her scream was extraordinary, shrill and loud, and he leapt back, protecting his ears. In a moment, he heard the guards bang urgently on the door and inquire as to her fright, then the heavy grinding of the lock being worked. Under no misapprehensions that discretion was a better part of staying alive, the thief sprang for his dangling rope and hoisted himself through the ceiling and out of the harem room. The girl's wardens were clamouring and shouting in loud pandemonium beneath his feet. He vaulted off the roof and sprinted for the exit, wrenched the heavy door open, jumped over the tripwire and ran across the corridor. From behind, he heard bells beginning to ring. The alarm had been raised. Seconds later, the bells rang from in front as well. A well-rehearsed military drill. The thief lowered his head as he pushed himself to sprint faster. Through the aviary, clouds of birds rose in noisy fright. Breathing hard and sweating, he ran headfirst into a soldier coming the other way. The two smashed hard to the ground in a jumble of limbs and hands, grasping for weapons. The thief brought his knee up hard, and the guard wheezed, his eyes watering. The moment was all the thief needed and his wrist knife punched with grim finality through the guard's voice box, and then ripped sideways. The thief rolled off the corpse and to his feet, a crimson arc spewing behind and staining the doves. Quickly now, more will follow. The thief was off again, sprinting hard. He burst through the last doorway. There were torches everywhere. A trap. He saw four more guards only a second before they saw him. He was already moving, arms and legs pumping, and then rolling across the grass in a tight ball as a well-flung spear pierced his shadow. Up again, chest on fire. Faster now. He leapt for the guard post at the wall, catching the edge of the roof and vaulting bodily up. He twisted to the side, whipping out of the way at the last moment and landing in a half-crouch as another spear flew perilously close. The guards were getting nearer. He grabbed his hidden bundle and gave the guards a grin and a flourish. Then he jumped from the wall, off the summit of God's finger, and fell free. The shop guards clustered around the edge of the wall, staring after him, jaws slack in amazement. Unbelieving, they pointed as the plummeting man tore open his package. Flapping cloth unfurled as sails and wires spread wide the wings of a giant kite. The canvas wings fluttered feebly. 
then filled with air and snapped taut, jerking aloft the man who grasped the crossbar, a moth sailing off into the night. In the harem room, the beautiful young girl sat on her bed. The silken sheets pulled up around her shivering shoulders as she hugged her knees to her chest and rested her chin on them. The midnight visitor had scared her. Despite being little better than a prisoner, she had always felt secure. The guards who brought her food, or watched her as she played in the gardens, were always deferential and polite. The handsome stranger was dangerous, but the sparkle in his eyes intrigued her, and she wondered if she shouldn't have screamed when she did. Maybe even something else. Her lips still tickled. Could it be possible that he'd been there to rescue her? The girl noticed that her jewellery box lay ajar on the floor and her musings were cut short. She slipped off the bed and knelt beside it to confirm her fears. Empty. A private booth in the tavern in the city below entertained several large plates with thick slices of hot meat and the thief gustily ripped at his meal. His wrist knife was wedged into the wooden serving platter. He mopped up the pulling juices with a torn-off crust of fine-milled fresh bread. The wine bottle on the table was an expensive choice, rich and fruity, an indulgence for a night of celebration, and already half empty. He swigged heartily from the drinking jar, and his mind wandered once more to the serving wench who just now delivered it to him. The generous view for walking away was at least as entertaining, if not more so, than was her buxom arrival. He sighed and leaned back against the padded leather, which croaked as he shifted his weight. The jewels and chains in his pockets would see him live well for several weeks to come. There were many twinkling baubles that would no doubt work well to catch the avaricious attention of pretty girls and win a night between their sheets, clean beds and well-scrubbed women. And then, when the money's all spent, he shrugged and returned to the wine. Something will come up. Something always does. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Craft of Shadows podcast. More details at craftofshadows.com. Copyright 2020, Dirush Pasiti and Victor Publishing. Title music by Turku, Nomads of the Silk Road, at turkumusic.com.